Bigley and Marotta. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigley Blast. The Cardinals have one more home game in 2022. They are facing an embarrassed Tom Brady and his sub-500 Buccaneers. Bruce Arians might be in the building. So will Todd Bowles. And I'm quite certain those two ex-Cardinals would love to hang a big hurt on our decimated football team. In other words, Christmas night might feel a lot different than Christmas morning in the Valley. And if the Cardinals lose this game, they will be 1-12 in their last 13 games at State Farm Stadium. That is unbelievable. It's reprehensible. And that is how you make a fan base change their allegiance and their spending habits. And if you happen to be Michael Bidwill, this is also the most compelling reason to replace both Steve Keim and Cliff Kingsbury after the end of the season. Because for all the injuries and bad luck and drama and dysfunction, that stadium is Bidwill's crowning achievement as a sports owner. That stadium has recruited three Super Bowls, including this year's game in Glendale, bringing major revenue streams to the Valley. That stadium was once among the most intimidating, deafening venues in football. And that stadium has now become an embarrassment. A mecca for infidels, a date with disappointment for those who still claim fealty to Big Red in the bird game. That's more than bad. That's sad. And if that doesn't get the owner's attention, nothing will. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. They got two great locations, and you can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Similar to, I guess, what it's been, just, you know, a lot to overcome in, in that situation. We knew that, and then just those critical moments once you, once again, uh, turn the ball over on, on you know, our side of the 53 times you're not going to beat a team like that on the road doing that and um but effort was was good and played to win and just got to find a way to finish it that was cliff kingsbury uh yesterday addressing the media talking about how this week's post-game speech was similar to last week's and similar to eight others in the, yeah. the season after uh losses on just trying to right the ship Gotta get better has been the battle cry for the Arizona Cardinals, and it hasn't happened. No. Um, so on the subject of you know changing, and, and when you've had a, a, a season this poor for the Arizona Cardinals, change is you know, going to be discussed. Yep. And it's already been discussed at the general man- manager position. In fact, in case you missed it over the weekend, Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports reported that the Cardinals are likely to move on from general manager Steve Keim. Um, which to me, Bick, that kind of that kind of should be the impetus for a top to bottom change. Mm-hmm. The culture issues are so prevalent right now with the Arizona Cardinals that I think um, you know holding on to a head coach who's who's limped through this season to promote from within if you're going to change the general manager that feels like putting a bandaid on a bullet wound right Without now. a doubt. Oh, I like that. Bandaid on a bullet wound. Um I I also believe that if Michael Bidwell came out and said we're going to stick with Cliff Kingsbury as our head coach, we have confidence in Cliff, I really believe that would have a negative impact on season ticket renewals. 
conversely, I believe if they made a bold statement and changed head coaches and did a, a complete house cleaning, that you would keep Cardinal fans on the hook. I, I really believe this is going to be a, a pivot point for this entire franchise, a crossroads, if you will. And and it's it's going to be fascinating to see how the owner handles this. So if, if we're to believe the reports that it's that the general manager's time is done here, and even Wolf believed is that to be the case in our in our crosstalk yesterday, then it really does become the question of what do you do with the head coaching position? Can you can you bring in a guy that can that that wants the job and and can have the impact you want and need? Given Kyler Murray's status, that that to me is a real dicey proposition. But I also believe that every time you, you kind of dice this thing up and you you start looking at the situation, um, the home performances of this football team keep leading me to believe that if Michael Bidwell doesn't see the need to make this change right here and now, then I don't know what would. Because again, as I just said in the blast, this stadium is his baby. And this stadium has has really done a 180 in terms of what it used to be, what it stood for, how imposing it used to be for opponents, how imposing it used to be for opposing sports fans, and and they've lost it. They've lost control of it, and this is, you know, two years running, and they, they don't have any answers. Uh, a lot of times during these last, during this stretch of football where they're 5-16 and 16 in their last 21 games, some of their worst plays come at home. Some of their least intense, most lethargic Performances have come at home, uh-huh. and I'm out there every week at, during home games, and and you see the same thing. You see these crowds show up on Sunday, and they've got some life, and they've got some juice, and and by the time they're leaving, they're all hanging their heads, and it's 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 a sad thing to see. So I, I think that becomes the big question now, and it is exactly that. Do you have, is there a coach out there effectively that wants this job that can be and create the culture that is so poor here, um, given the situations with Kyler Murray at quarterback? Yeah, and that's. Or do you, or do you just run, or, or do you give him a, another year given the circumstances? Or do you pivot and give it to Vance Joseph for a year and see if that is any different. I don't know if that makes all that much different because I think to me that there is just the culture, everything we've seen, the lack of discipline on this football team, the, the a, a couple of those calls on Sunday's game. Gambo pointed out yesterday was a very fair observation. He wonders if Cliff has checked out in terms of he's at his wits end. He, maybe he does. Maybe Cliff doesn't even want to be here anymore. Well, we know for a fact that he doesn't want to go back to college football. No, we do know that because yeah, you know, at least that's what he said in mm-hmm. recent years. You know, dealing with boosters, recruiting. Cliff never had to deal with NIL transfer portal kind of stuff uh, to the degree that the coaches are dealing with it now. So it's even more of a headache. Um, but he's not even running his offense here. No, he came here to run the air raid offense, and what they're running now is anything but. It. Not only that, it's hard to watch. It's very hard to watch. That game, when you went through that stretch in the second quarter of three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, it was, I'm thinking about other stuff I want to do, but I can't. You can't. I have to watch the football game. Right. We got big um, red reacts, man. Come on. And uh, how how strong is your system offensively? 
if it can only work when you have 100% health and participation. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, it's, that it's is a flaw- the big question. It's a flawed system. Yeah, it is. On the NFL level, it certainly is. And we've seen that the last two years. Yeah. So, and, and we know that, that Kyler Murray doesn't really kind of get vibe with this head coach. That has been made, pre- no matter what anybody says, the actions speak louder than anything. And so these are all going to be real interesting things. I know that in, in talking to people, people are just, they're livid at, at what what has happened to Colt McCoy? How you run that naked bootleg on third and one? Quarterback takes a—he's coming off the edge there, which means he's going to get walloped, and he did. And now you've got Trace McSorley and David Blau. Blau, 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 like cow. It's my favorite press release note. Now here's Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> talking about Colt McCoy's toughness. He's been banged up uh, quite a bit this year and played through a lot. I think that people don't see or haven't seen. Um, and so he, he continues to battle and, and uh, you know, adverse situations, continues to stay back there and, and take shots and try to deliver throws. And so that was uh, obviously a tough moment to, to watch him go down like that. Uh, yeah, we have seen it because Colt McCoy's been on the injury report every week, basically. Um, you know, refused the cart last week, and that was part of it. That play call mixed with Colt McCoy's toughness, you know, he's going to fight for that extra yard, and he took that punishment. It, it, I think it would be derelict to put him back in. Uh, oh, well, yeah, listen, I, I don't think you can put him back in this week. I, I think I think that precedent has been set. Concussions affected and um, incurred by quarterbacks now, it, it seems to me teams now are, are, are kind of required or motivated to give that guy an extra week. So we just saw it with Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. who, who passed the protocol and wanted to play. And yet, nope, you're not. You're going to you're going to sit this one out. So, I, yeah, I, so I think there's that. And then, you know, there's so many heavy questions to make because Cole McCoy, before he got injured, he didn't look so hot this past weekend. He was wildly inaccurate on many different occasions. Yeah, it's amazing that we were having those discussions earlier. This just a few weeks ago. Wow, the offense looks better with Colt McCoy, doesn't it? Yeah. He's well, not, that's, no, he's that's, not a starting quarterback. No, that's that's it. So and it, I think, uh, you know, Gambo and, and, and Tim Ring were talking about it yesterday. Um, and they hit the nail on the head. Like Colt McCoy, if Kyler Murray is here, he's your backup. If Kyler Murray can't go next year, he's your backup. If you're, if you're bringing him back, <laughs> yeah, he can't be right. the starting quarterback. No. It's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Today's nominee is Perry High School senior Braylon Woodworth. Braylon is a standout in both athletics and in the classroom and has overcome adversity to succeed in both areas. She overcame injuries and a concussion to become a leader on the school's championship contending volleyball team. The Arizona Republic also recognized her as an academic all-star athlete for her performance in the classroom as well. Currently, Braylon holds a 4.41 weighted grade point average. Braylon is also a member of the Spanish Honor Society where she's been able to contribute to multiple community service projects. After graduation, Woodworth plans to play volleyball at Colorado State Pueblo while pursuing a career in plastic surgery. Well done, Braylon Woodworth of Perry High School. Uh, this week's Character Counts nominee, Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical, is looking for their next student athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Just text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, Suns beat the Lakers. All is well in the world for now. We'll get into some of the details and looking forward next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings.
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, when we play at that pace, you know, uh, it ain't much the other team can do if they're in coverage, you know, because if you get a hit on the screen, we're going to figure out how to maneuver it. Guys will go under, you know, uh, a lot more comfortable shooting when they go under. So uh, when we play like that, it's, it's tough to tough to stop us. It's Chris Paul, and yeah, the uh, Lakers did have a tough time stopping the Suns last night. Suns shot 51% from three-point range. They hit 20 of 39. They put up 130 points, six players in double figures. Everybody who stepped on the floor had a positive plus-minus for the Suns last night, which is hard to do over the course of a 48-minute game. But that was the story. It was a depleted Suns team beating a depleted Lakers team by 26 points. Uh, But Chris Paul was one of the big stories of that game last night. Played his best game of the year, 28 Mm -hmm. points. He was willing to shoot the basketball, shot it 18 times. He hit 9, 3 of 5 from three-point range, got to the free-throw line, dished out 8 assists. It was a very encouraging game from from Chris Paul moving forward. Um, Because even since he's returned from the injury, Bick, the numbers have taken a tick up. Yeah. But he didn't look like himself. I agree. Last night he looked like himself. Yeah, his vibe. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, so I was I was enthused by that. I thought Damian Lee handled his starting assignment very well. Yes. Uh, it was no big deal to him. Uh, so, yeah, so I saw this in the Dwayne Rankin piece about uh, the Suns had not had all five starters score at least 15 points in a game since November 22nd, 2010. Have you seen this? No. Okay, can you guess who that starting five was? November 22nd, 2010. Danny Joe Trivia. Oh, loves it. Oh. Suns beat the Houston Rockets. Just Suns beat the Houston Rockets 123-116, to November 22nd, 2010. All five starters scored at least 15 Steve points. Steve Nash. In Steve Nash, 26 points. Mari Stoudemire. No. Shaquille O'Neal? No. Channing Channing Fry? Channing Fry, 15 points. Starting center, Channing Fry, 15 points. Was Gortat in the lineup? No. Jason Richardson? Jason Richardson, shooting guard, 24 points. Marion was gone by then. Mm -hmm. You got a small forward and a power forward. Uh, Hey, do Turkle? Hey, do Turkle is your power forward with 15 points. This is the work. No. This is uh, the year after Amari. Yeah. yeah. This is the year after Amari. And it wasn't Akeem Warwick? No. Jared Dudley? No. Luis Scola? No. Oh, boy. He now runs USA Basketball. Jerry Colangelo. Yeah. Grant, that's him. Grant Hill. Grant Hill. So the starting lineup of Steve oh, wow. Nash, Jason, 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 Jason Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, oh, Josh Rosen in the news today. Josh Rosen in the news today, Jared. It's a Hanukkah miracle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. He's talking about the oil lasting eight days. He's lasted eight teams. Yeah, yeah. The Vikings right? are shoo-ins to win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. The right? Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, yeah. So, um... Yeah, so I, I do think that was uh, – I'm glad that the Suns made easy work of the Lakers, as we said earlier. Uh, this is a nice little stretch of dominance they've had over that basketball team, d- disdainful even. And I'm there for it. It's cool. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, it's, what, nine consecutive regular season games, 12 overall? 12 overall. I'm with, taking those preseason well, games, too. I don't care. With I'm taking regular season and postseason. So this oh, goes back to the playoffs okay. when, the, right. when the Suns reeled that's off three is. in the back end that's to beat what, okay, the Lakers. So that's what it is. It's not – Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, like that's 
that's the story. Anytime you beat the Lakers, it's I don't I, again I don't care what the Suns record Same. is, what the Lakers Same. record is, and some people will will have disdain for a franchise, but when they're down, they'll they'll take it easy on them. Yeah, no, don't take it easy on the Lakers. <laughs> no, kill uh, them with fire. Yes, exactly. How did uh, how did Da look to you last night? He looked good. Um, he looked decisive offensively. His, A little t- his touch was going last night. He hit nine of eleven. I thought he was active, rebounding the basketball. It might sound silly, but Thomas Bryant is a guy who started at center for the Lakers who's been, for whatever reason, a, a notorious Suns killer. He, he just puts up huge numbers against the Suns, and he got off to a quick start. But I thought I thought DeAndre, you know, if you would have told me he was in his first game back from missing a few with, with an ankle injury, I would have told you that's not the case because right. he, he looked real comfortable out right. there. Um, Mikel Bridges shot the ball well, um, well, somewhat well, seven seven of sixteen, but he scored twenty points. Everybody who played played well. The the problem now is Josh Okogie left the game with a sore hip last night, and we know soreness means absence in the NBA these days. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But did you see his offensive rebound and reverse? He it was like a three sixty layup. Mm-hmm. He does stuff you just don't see on a basketball court. Last night, I think that was the number three play on the top ten on Is that ESPN right? this morning. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so you know, ho- hopefully he's okay. You know, what was also in the top ten this morning. Luca getting ejected. Vinny, he got ejected. He got ejected in the third quarter Wait, last was night. Was Luca complaining about a foul? <laughs> what happened? And when he got tossed, he just looked at Jason Kidd like, "What do I do? What do I do?" He I know that every time the whistle blows against. Luca, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they were down sixteen. He got tossed two minutes ago in the third quarter. That's yeah. not. That's not. Uh, that's not very responsible for a team leader. Yeah, with the sun. You know <laughs> I mean, listen to this bunching at the top of the Western Conference. All right, Memphis nineteen and ten, Denver eighteen and eleven, Suns nineteen and twelve, New Orleans eighteen and twelve, Clippers eighteen and fourteen. So the top five teams are separated by one win. Now the losses are different, but even if you go further, uh, Sacramento sixteen and thirteen, Portland seventeen and fourteen, Minnesota's getting their act together sixteen and yeah. fifteen, Utah seventeen and sixteen, Dallas two games or a game under five hundred with Golden State, and then there's a little bit of a separation between the Lakers, Oklahoma City, and San Antonio and Houston are just terrible. Yeah, it's yeah again, and it's I'm not you're right about Minnesota, but I'm not buying them. I just listen, I I just don't think that's a winning team. It just it's it just weird. Yeah, these these teams in the West, they're just they're taking turns catching little bits of fire and going on little bits of rolls. And but I do think I do think the order at the top right now. This tells me what the this feels to me like the order what it's going to be at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Could be close to this: Memphis one, Denver two, Phoenix three, and New Orleans four. If New that Orleans was your, is four. That, if that was your top four in any order, it wouldn't shock you. Yeah. Right, exactly. And if the Clippers ever decide that they want to have their stars play in more than one <laughs> game a week, play they, basketball. They, they might they might actually elevate to that. By the way, Suns and Memphis on Friday night. Ooh, that's a big game. Yes, big. And I was just talking to you off the air about um, John Morant. Over the weekend, got ejected for a game. It was like the hair trigger ejection. Ray Acosta was the official. And now there's details because after Morant, he was talking to fans when he got ejected. Fans uh, were saying, "Hey, get going! We, we, you know, we're down twenty. And he said, "Yeah, I, I got to get going, but I got to get a whistle from the referee." And I think there may have been an expletive in there. He wasn't talking to the official; he was talking to the fans. The official heard it and teed him up twice and kicked him out. He actually went to the back and had somebody deliver a phone to those fans 
and he was he was actually talking to them over over the phone or what? like on, on FaceTime. Um, wow! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to s- scream expletives at them? Again? No, the, oh. they, they were on his side. They were oh, they, they were, were, they were Grizzlies fans. These uh, these officials, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know you're a big fan. Vinny. Rabbit ears. I know you're a big fan. Rabbit ears. I listen. I, I think NFL NFL officials are worse than NBA officials. Do you? I do. I do. They certainly I were do this not past have, weekend. I, I do not have the hatred of NBA officials the way you do. Now, some of them I think are, are very, very clueless, but I do not have the hatred of NBA officials oh, that you do. Hatred's I do not have, the right word. I, I've, I've met <laughs> most of them. They're, they're nice people as uh-huh. a group. I just don't think they're very good at their jobs. The, the NFL officials might... They might feel worse, though, because one play can affect a football game a lot more if they get it totally wrong or don't call Maybe. something. Maybe. Because there's just less But then again, them. I just got done with an afternoon with Jerome Boger, okay? Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, oh, boy is right. It, it's funny, guys like that, though, that is almost universally sort of regarded and accepted as being terrible. Did you see how confused he was just For trying years. to talk on the mic? Yes. It was embarrassing. <laughs> Talking on the mic isn't. I'm sorry, Jerry. Okay. What were you going to say? What? No, it, it's been ye- like for years. People have acknowledged him as being terrible, and he still is around. Yeah. Well, Same with Angel Hernandez. Yeah. He's the worst, and he's still around. It. it it's, if you watch the lower levels of sports, though, I haven't watched a lot of high school basketball, though. Right. Somebody was telling me I went. To, they went to a high school game and, just, and said, "You think the officiating is bad in the NBA?" Well, I can imagine. Check it out the, at the high school ranks, where they're they're trying their best. Listen, but. I you you probably read these stories. There is actually almost a nationwide crisis crisis yeah crisis over youth officiating. Nobody wants to do it anymore. It's because the parents are too insane. Yeah, I mean, the threat of getting your butt kicked over $4 an hour, <laughs> not right. a lot of fun. Right. And so, di- no, didn't you referee? Like I, was an ofi- I was an intramural official my freshman year at ASU. And I knew, it, I knew it wasn't for me <laughs> when a co-ed volleyball game uh-huh. got out of hand and the official that was working the game had death threats on his answering machine when he got oh. back to his dorm room. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Did the answering machine at least have one of those wacky messages <laughs> they have in dorm? Believe it or not, exactly, George yeah. isn't at home. Um, did I ever tell you my uh, my I, I was inter, uh, refereeing a flag football game between two sororities? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. yes. Tell us right to spot the ball. <laughs> and one member of the sorority was not looking where the play was or that the whistle had blown and just kept running full speed. And took and you out? Took me out. <laughs> The most physical contact I had with a sorority only, girl in only my time oh, college career. Only, to- oh. only time you've been taken out by somebody in a sorority. <laughs> yes. Congrats. Coming up next, uh, more NFL hash marks as we head into week 16 in the Christmas weekend. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Hash marks. Jones. Hand off to Stevenson. He's got a hole, Pat. To the 45. <laughs> He's still going, Pat. Laterals to Myers. He's going the wrong way. Sure is. He just threw it to Chandler Jones. Jones to the 25. What the heck just happened, Pat? The five. Touchdown Raiders. 
Chandler Jones used to play for the Patriots, but now he plays for the Raiders. And I think Jacoby Myers forgot which Jones was on his team. He threw it to the wrong Jones. Could be. Look at Bill Belichick. He looks angry here. He always looks angry. He looks angrier than normal, Pat. But even if you're angry, you have to hug your friends before you walk away quickly. (laughs) (laughs) What Sunday's debacle for the Patriots would have sounded like if called by Pat Summerall and John Madden, the great uh, Frank Caliendo, given that. Every time I hear him do those videos, the voices get stronger. It. Like, there's a part where it sounds exactly like John Madden. Yeah, and the, the Summerall thing is so good, too. It just, it's fabulous. By sure the way, how about the, another chapter in this Patriots-Raiders rivalry? Yeah, the Tuck the, game. The Tuck game. Yeah. There was a playoff game in the 80s when Matt Millen, after the game, on the field, punched the general manager uh, of the Patriots in the face. There's a famous photo of that. Uh, I mean, now you add this to that, that's three unbelievable occurrences that have happened between these two teams. Yeah, no, listen, and, and it's in that tuck rule game, who knows how the course of history would have been changed had that thing been officiated properly. Yeah. Brady with a huge fumble finds his way to the bench, never to be heard from again. Right. Yeah. Uh, but still, people are reacting to that Patriots uh, meltdown at the end of the game. Bill Barnwell from ESPN. Uh, about how unlike the Patriots that was. And I think it speaks to, you know, how, how you see them acting on the field. Especially the guy who comes to mind is Mac Jones, where, you know, every quarterback has their disagreements. They get frustrated at times. It happens. Tom Brady was like that with the Patriots at times. But Mac Jones, it feels like every single drive, he's coming off the field yelling about mm-hmm. something or it's somebody. I mean, this was not the case for them last year. And I think for the Patriots and Bill Belichick, they've been sort of very conservative with who they have hired. It's been really that staff is pretty much either guys who played for Belichick or who coached for Belichick in the past. Very few kind of outside voices from that organization. And I wonder if the Patriots are going to look at this offseason and think, hey, to get back on track, we have to get some fresh voices in this building to play behind or or to coach underneath Bill Belichick. Bill Barnwell brings up a great point. We saw this on the Monday night game between the Patriots and the Cardinals. Mac Jones, again, very demonstrative on the field, yelling. Uh, There were times where he was shown actually joking around with Matt Patricia, but when when things are not going his way or if he mm-hmm. doesn't like a call, he's going to let people know about it. You don't hear much about it with Mac Jones. Now, hold that up against the critiques of Kyler Murray for doing the exact same thing. Kyler Murray is a terrible teammate. He doesn't get along with his head coach, blah, 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 blah. Why the differential there in the thinking? They're acting the exact same way. Kyler Murray is actually a more seasoned, experienced NFL quarterback than Mac Jones is. Because, well, well... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Just something I thought. Yeah, of. no, no, I, I get you. I, I, but I do think that that's a that's a recurring thing that I've heard um, out of Boston as it pertains to Bill Belichick. That you know, for many, many, many years, he would make sure that he had a staff full of people who were not into groupthink. That that there would be people that would actually challenge him and bring different ideas to the table. Um, part of the reason why Todd Haley was so successful with the Cardinals is he was that kind of guy. Mm-hmm. He was always the kind of guy who would get into a meeting and say, this is BS, what do you guys, and it would create really necessary, good uh, creative fiction, uh, friction, not 
creative fiction. Creative fiction is pretty good, too, but creative friction is what I'm looking for. Um, so in the case of Bill Belichick, people are saying he's kind of lost that thread, yeah. that he's kind of gotten a little too beyond reproach. I don't know. I could see that at this point in his career. Maybe that's happening. Yeah, it's that that play. You, I would have never thought in a million years that play that we saw on Sunday and have seen a million times since would would be attached to Bill Belichick's legacy. No, I, it's, I didn't it's truly one of the most boneheaded plays you'll ever see at the end of a game, and that's the last thing you expect from Bill Belichick's teams. Yeah, it it was the definition of boneheaded. It, it, it's right up there with with the Leon Letts, with you know those type of just brain fart plays. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the NFL, Eagles and Cowboys getting together on Christmas Eve. Big NFC East matchup. Will the Eagles be at full strength? Maybe not. Jalen Hurts, who's one of the top candidates for the MVP award, has an injured shoulder. Adam Schefter from ESPN on how it got hurt. In the third quarter yesterday, when a Bears defender fell on him, drove his shoulder into the ground, you could see at that point in time that Jalen Hurts was hurt at that time. And now it's so much so that his status for Saturday is in question about whether or not he can play against the Dallas Cowboys. If not, then it would be Gardner Minshew, but there was a big hit. He took a lot of punishment yesterday. He obviously was not feeling right. He was slow to get up a few different times. Jalen Hurts was, and now it's to the point where where the Eagles are with the record, with how well-positioned they are, they actually can afford to be very careful and cautious with him and make sure that he's better before they bring him back to play anybody else. So there's a real chance he misses Saturday's game against the Dallas Cowboys. He's dealing with a sprained shoulder. He's certainly in some pain here. And if he can't go, Gardner Minshew would start against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, the last two games are both home games for Philly uh, against the Saints and the Giants. Mm -hmm. I think it would be wise. Yeah, it takes a lot of the luster off this matchup because, you know, the way these two teams have played each other with the Comments going back and forth between oh, the yeah. two teams, and you know maybe it would serve as giving a little false confidence to the Cowboys if they can beat the Eagles with without Jalen Hurts with Gardner Minshew in there. Also changes drastically what the Eagles do offensively because oh, that, that is that is not a setup where your backup the, the Baltimore setup Lamar Jackson goes out Tyler Huntley comes in they do a lot of the same things that's not the same skill set between Hurts and Minshew no Jalen Hurts is having in fact, he's the MVP front runner. I I would hope that that would not come into his thinking or the Eagles' thinking because Joe Burrow's closing fast on him, and some people think Patrick Mahomes is right there as well. Josh Allen too. Yeah, Josh Allen as well. I I think in the case of the Eagles, you've got a three game lead on the Cowboys. You've got a team in the Cowboys. Uh, the, this game is going to be a bloodbath. I, I I the real smart thing to do is to give Jalen Hurts the week off. The real smart thing, and I would be stunned if they didn't. Uh, it might affect the MVP race. Though, because, yeah. like I said, what Cincinnati is doing now with Joe Burrow is um, interesting, to say but the least. Imagine the flex if they do rest Hurts well, and Minshew tears up him. Dallas. <laughs> it could happen. I mean, Gardner Minshew will not be intimidated. No, he's got a lot of experience. Yeah, and the Patriots, or I'm sorry, and the Cowboys have been a little shaky. Yeah, barely beat Houston two and weeks then ago, then lose to Jacksonville, the blew a big, lo- big lead right. against the Jaguars, That's right. who, by the way, are not eliminated from the playoff race yet. How about that, right? Six and eight? <laughs> yeah. 
Anybody checked on Urban Meyer? See how he's doing? Oh man! Well, listen, I, I I do think that that what what Trevor Lawrence has been doing in the back half of the season is a testament that Doug Peterson's working there. Yeah. He's, that, that is how you elevate a quarterback if you're a coach. That that is what Cliff Kingsbury was supposed to do for Kyler Murray. So what are you getting at, Beck? <laughs> what am I getting at? <laughs> no, but what are you tiptoeing around here, Bickley? But, yeah, but it's but it's true. I mean, it's it's the Titans have lost four games in a row. They're hanging on by their fingernails. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 2022 college football playoff semifinal is coming to State Farm Stadium on December 31st, featuring number two Michigan and number three TCU as they square off for the first time ever in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win a pair of tickets. Coming up next, we'll talk ASU hoops with the head coach of the ranked Sun Devils, Bobby Hurley. Next, it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Sun Devil Fast Break with ASU men's head basketball coach Bobby Hurley. The Sun Devil Fast Break is presented by Arizona Ford Dealers. Yeah, Sun Devils get a win on a Sunday against San Diego to move to 11-1. and They move into the AP Top 25. And here to talk ASU basketball, the head coach of the Sun Devils, Bobby Hurley, checks in on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Bobby. How are you? Pretty good. Good morning, guys. Uh, we talked last week about you know the, the possibility of being ranked. You guys were right on the precipice. And I know you had said uh, leading into that San Diego game, you felt like you should be ranked. How does it feel now that you've cracked the, uh, the Top 25? And uh, how has the team reacted to it? I just I feel good for the guys. They've been rewarded. I think it's uh, justified. I mean, we uh, you know we played some some high high caliber games. We've gone on the road and doing it on neutral sites. So we've uh, you know we've been well traveled, and uh, that's that's not going to change uh, until uh, after Christmas here, as we uh, prepare to to head to San Francisco today. Uh, but I, I feel great for the guys. I, I sense yesterday in practice just. Uh, you know, focus group, um, and this game is always scary for a coach. The game right before Christmas because uh, the guys are going to go home for a couple of days, and uh, you know, after the game tomorrow night, and just want to make sure everyone's locked in and and focused on on the task here. And uh, you know, San Francisco team that uh, that beat UNLV. I'm sorry, uh, beat UNLV over the weekend, and UNLV was undefeated at the time, so. Definitely a very good opponent. Well, what's really interesting is that the Seattle Times has a guy that ranked you number eight on his ballot. Now, that's subjective. The fact that you guys rank fifth in the nation in best defensive field goal percentage, uh, that's that's a tribute to focus and, and committing to playing both ends of the floor, isn't it? Yeah, I think our uh, our athleticism, uh, you know, the guys are buying into to playing that end of the floor, and uh, you know, it starts with our ball pressure and and our on the perimeter, and we've got guys that are very active. Uh, you know, Frankie Collins and Austin Nunez on the ball have done a great job, and you know, our wings have good length. Uh, you know, Des Cambridge shooting the gap on some passing lanes. Uh, Jemiah Neal with his length, uh, and then around the basket. You know, Devin Cambridge is rebounding for us. Uh, you know, uh, Warren Washington, Lonzo Gaffney are challenging shots, so it's it's hard to score in the paint. And uh, so I think the one area that we just have to get a little better in, since we are forcing teams to miss a lot of shots, 
is is uh, is rebounding the ball a little better, and we gave up too many uh, offensive rebounds, especially in the first half for San Diego. Bobby Hurley, the head coach of the Arizona State Sun Devils, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Going going back to the scheduling, Bobby, I find it interesting on how these things are put together. You know, I'm thinking back to years in the past, even predating your time as head coach, but a lot of times this last game before Christmas would be, you know, against a smaller school at home. Um, what went into the thinking on having a, a road game uh, before the Christmas break against a, a, a good program in San Francisco? Well, it probably dates back to when I was an assistant coach at Wagner uh, College in Staten Island, and uh, it was December 21st, and we got on a bus uh, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was an eight-hour bus ride, and we went and played number 12 Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh, and uh, and we beat them, mm. and uh, certainly you know deserved to win and happy for our guys, but you think about, you know, was Pittsburgh thinking about going somewhere else, going home, not focused, uh, didn't respect the opponent enough. So um, maybe that factored into wanting to play, you know, a quality opponent, you know, like San Francisco on the road. So, you know, I, I could, you know, walk into that locker room and say, hey, look, man, they just beat an undefeated team over the weekend. They the week before in Vegas, they lost by two to, to New Mexico. So this is a legitimate opponent and it's a road game. So we got to be locked in. Yeah, what's what's really cool to me is uh, prior to your arrival at ASU, the team was really not good at all um, in out of conference road games. You you have changed that around. What is the secret sauce to getting guys to embrace it, to play well on the road? What goes into that? I just think we, uh, you know, we're, we're playing defense at an elite level. Uh, you know, I, I think uh, there's a level of trust there, and and, and having confidence in your group, and um, and just having a belief that you know we could go and you know away from uh, you know from home and and have success. I think it was. Uh, we knew coming into the season we were going to have four true road games. You know, uh, in the non-conference, we have three non-conference true road games, uh, and then one in, in the Pac-12. So before before Christmas, so you know, we we scheduled our two secret scrimmages were both on the road to hopefully prepare the guys for for these situations. Talking to Bobby Hurley, the head coach of Arizona State here on Arizona Sports. Uh, in watching the game uh, against San Diego on Sunday and. To see uh, an opponent shoot 40%, and they were right at 40% for the game, is, uh, it looks weird because that's only the second time an opponent has shot 40 or or, or, or better against you this year, as you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and Don McLean on the Pac-12 Network during the broadcast was saying, Bobby, hey, this team is elite defensively. If the offense comes around to the level of the defense, look out. And then you look at the numbers in recent games, 70-plus points in the last three, season-high 91, you've shot uh, 40% or better from three-point range in three in a row. In your mind, how close is the offense to matching what you guys do defensively? Yeah, I thought the, the way San Diego guarded us and, and, and playing a lot of zone, it, it contributed to you know 14 of 30 from three. I'm not sure. And we got a lot of good good looks, So um, and we have guys that are capable of making those shots. Uh, I think what I was most happy about was the assist number, and we had 21 assists for the game, and I think we had 30 made field goals, so that ratio is very good, and uh, it was led by Frankie Collins, who had 11 assists, and I've talked about him a lot in terms of uh, just getting guys involved and the impact he has with his playmaking and his vision, and uh, and guys love playing with him because he uh, 
they know he's going to find them. And uh, so, I, you know, I think that spreads throughout the team. And, you know, we've do, been doing a better job of, of getting assisted baskets uh, recent in recent games. Let me ask you, uh, and I know you've been asked about the transfer portal a lot, but I, I want to ask you under the context of, of developments in college football where, you know, Mike Leach had barely passed away and, and uh, there were reports of coaches and, 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 and assistant coaches trying to recruit some of their players. There's been a number of football coaches who have said that things are really getting unethical in the transfer portal. You don't seem to be too phased by that. Is it different in basketball? How do you manage it? Is there trouble brewing in NCAA basketball as well with this thing? I'm sure there's tampering going on. You know, I mean, it's uh, is there, there's guys, and, and you're watching, you know, uh, our games, and and the guys that are playing well, like you'll lose sleep at night, you know, wondering, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, and it's uh, so. I think as much as it's happening in football, it's probably happening in basketball as well. So I don't think we're it's exclusive just to football, but um, you know, we want to do things the right way here and. Um, and that's important to us and focusing on our guys and our team and, and treating our players as good as we possibly can and then let the chips fall where they may. And it's amazing, too, to see the, the, the success that you guys have had early on with the big influence of transfers. And obviously that's by design. It's part of the game now. But how much of, of getting these guys from other programs to buy into what you do, Bobby, is um, is by design? How much of it is a crapshoot? And, and how much of it is unknown when you when you get these guys? Well, you try and do your homework and get as much information as possible and, and talk to these guys as much as you can and try and get it as an honest, a true read as you, as you can, you could formulate and, and then make the best decision you can. And just talking with, you know, Des Cambridge and Warren Washington and, uh, th- those guys want to play in the NCAA tournament and they saw opportunity to play and they saw that, you know, we struggled to score last year. So Des Cambridge. Well, I could I could help, and I could see myself, you know, putting this team over the top. And I think Warren Washington saw, you know, Jalen Graham decide to to move on, and he saw a big void there for him to step in and have a, a really good role. And and then there, there was a core guys that we talked about that were coming back that mm-hmm. we felt like this could be the type of team that we're turning into right now. And and then Devin Cambridge, you know, brought some some winning habits, you know, to the program. He had been at Auburn that had been to the NCAA tournament and been competing for for championships there. So, uh, and and Frankie was uh, just a blessing to get him because he just, you know, he was a capable player, just didn't have the opportunity yet to show what he could do. So I think we were able to to strike gold in in the portal this year. Oh, Bobby, uh, best of luck against San Francisco. Uh, Merry Christmas to you you and the whole team and your families. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk to you uh, next week. Bobby Bobby Hurley, the uh, head coach of Arizona State, our guest weekly here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. You can also text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Glad they got ranked. I think it's been a couple weeks overdue for the Sun Devils. It's it's nice to have that number in front of your name. And how how about a dude from the Seattle Times has got a number eight? Wow. How about it, right? <laughs> Prop it up the Pac-12. Yeah. Where does he? I wonder where that voter's got the other Pac-12 schools. Because there's only three All Pac-12 right. ranked teams. I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't know if it's if it's yeah, at no, your fingertips. I, I can I can I can have it for you when we come back. Oh, definitely. Okay. We'll get into some social studies with Sarah Cazell when we come back too. It's Pickley Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.